0: Welcome into the Cyclone Scoop everybody, Alex Halsted here with another preview episode of the Cyclone Scoop. Uh, I'm here in week four of the 2019 season and today we are going to preview Iowa State's non-conference finale, a matchup with Louisiana Monroe. I'll bring in a Louisiana Monroe uh, expert, Adam Hunsucker of the News Star in Monroe, Louisiana. We'll bring him in in just a few minutes, but before we do, I wanted to dive into last week, Iowa State's narrow 18 to 17 loss to in-state rival iowa and also myself talk a little bit about what iowa state fans can expect from louise and monroe and then we'll bring in adam to help preview that game let's start by looking back at this last week uh like i said an 18 to 17 loss to iowa the first ever Cyhawk game decided by just one point and uh the the number or the stat that people are probably not going to want to hear but I think it sums up how close Iowa State is and and how close they were to winning that game. According to SP Plus and uh, those advanced metrics, Iowa State came out of that game with a 97% win expectancy, meaning that based on the box score, based on the stats, Iowa State had a 97% chance to win that game. But when you add up some of their different mistakes, both offensively and special teams, uh, it comes out to a loss. And I think that's probably really disappointing for fans. But I think it probably also leaves a little bit of room for optimism that if Iowa State can clean up some of those things, that this still can be this type of season that they want to have, especially once they get into Big 12 play. But that has to start this week against Louisiana Monroe because Big 12 plays right around the corner. Next week, uh, Iowa State will be headed to Waco, Texas to face uh, Baylor. And so they've still got to clean some things up uh, before they get into conference action and one of the biggest things that they have to clean up comes offensively. That's the big thing that Matt Campbell talked about to open this week is that offensively, he's happy with how they've moved the ball. They amassed, uh, I think, 388 yards of offense against and I in the season opener in regulation. And they only put up 13 points in regulation before needing overtime to beat the Panthers. Last week against Iowa, 418 yards of offense. Uh, and they come away with just the 17 points. And so they've got to find ways to get into the end zone but more importantly, they've got to find ways to extend drives. So far, through two games, 10 of Iowa State's 19 drives in regulation have crossed midfield and they've come away with no points. So they're getting into the opponent's territory on 10 of 19 drives so far this year, but have not scored on, on those drives. Uh, you look at last week against Iowa, they got the ball to the 32, the 26, the 37, and the 34 in all four of those instances they came away with no points. There was a false start in there that forced them to punt. Uh, there was a Brock Purdy fumble. There's another instance where they got deep. Brock Purdy slipped, lost five yards. That was a situa- situation where they end up getting third and 13 and then fourth and 13. So they have to be able to find ways to get past those. Some of those are, are all being stalled because of miscues. Uh, some of it's maybe the, the field they get in tight position. Matt Campbell said that's probably his greatest frustration right now is just that they're moving the ball. They're getting inside the 35 even – and then they're coming away with no points. And they've got to figure out ways uh, to start scoring some touchdowns, um, even get into field goal range because, you know, the punting on the plus territory and all those things uh, are really stalling this offense and hurting this offense and are, are, are one of the biggest reasons uh, that Iowa State is not 2-0 and as they head into this Louisiana-Monroe game. Uh, so th- that's probably the biggest thing to watch for this week is how much more efficient can the offense be. I think according to SP+, Iowa State's projected to beat Louisiana-Monroe Forty-one to twenty, uh, and so that that pro- projection model is projecting Iowa State to put up points, but they've projected Iowa State to put up points the last couple weeks, and that's probably been the biggest hurdle so far. Defensively, they've played pretty well. There's two big things really for Iowa State defensively uh, right now that I think are probably their biggest focuses. Number one is third down defense. Iowa State was pretty good against Iowa overall, but when they got to third downs, uh, the Hawkeyes ended up going ten of nineteen in converting their third downs uh the the one that stands out is obviously the hawkeyes I think were in third and 22 and they come away with uh with a first down there Anthony Johnson said you know you just got to you got to work through that and uh, it's situational but uh those situations can be tough um but that's probably one of the biggest areas that they're focused on right now the other area they're focused on and I don't know if you could put a lot of attention on it because some of it just has to come naturally is the turnover game. This is probably the biggest thing for Iowa state aside from that offense and maybe equal to some of that offensive talk is the turnover margin. Iowa state has now lost the turnover margin in six consecutive games dating back to last season over that span. They've lost the turnover margin 13 to four. Um, so they've uh, turned the, turned the ball over 13 times and they've come away with only four turnovers and, uh, in the last six games dating back to last year. And that's been a big margin, a big statistic under Matt Campbell. Since Campbell arrived at Iowa State in 2016, the Cyclones are 12 and 3 when they win the turnover margin, and they're 8 and 17 when they tie or lose the turnover margin. And um, they're 3 and 3 in that six game span that I just mentioned. Uh, but they've got to find ways to start getting turnovers. And that's the second piece when you look back to the Cyhawk game. If Iowa State could have forced a couple turnovers, that game could have flipped. And they had two opportunities. Mike Rose had an interception fall through his hands near midfield, and then uh, on third down late in the game, before Iowa kicked it, its a, uh, eventual game-winning field goal, uh, an interception sl- slipped through the hands of Lawrence White. Matt Campbell brought those up, uh, and it just shows how close Iowa State to- was to winning that game. Whether it was a few things offensively, uh, a-, a kick return that they probably you know should have fair caught, instead they go out to the six-yard line, three and out, set up Iowa State or Iowa's twenty-five yard. Uh, field and that's Iowa's only touchdown drive or the muff punt at the end of the game you could point to a lot of different things Uh, if one or two things go a different way Iowa State wins that game but they've got to find ways to to make those things happen uh, including those turnovers and so that could be a big thing here too Uh, it's one of the things that has allowed Louisiana Monroe to have success early in the season is that turnover game Uh, and this is going to be another important test for Iowa State in that regard so let's switch over to Louisiana Monroe Uh, Iowa State is a 19 point favorite that number could change obviously depending when you listen to this but uh, the Cyclones have been a 19 point favorite for this game according to ESPN's football power index Iowa State has an 86.4 percent chance to win again according to the SP plus model I think the projection uh, the model is putting out is Iowa State wins uh, 41 to 20 and so uh, that they're, they're following exactly really that 19-point betting line. So it's it's interesting. I think that's at least what the computer models and what the numbers so far early this season think. But the thing to keep in mind here is that uh, Louisiana Monroe doesn't really care about those numbers. They went two weeks ago down and played Florida State. They were a 23-point road underdog, and uh, they took Florida State to overtime in an eventual 45-44 to 44 loss. The Warhawks uh, actually missed an extra point. Otherwise, they would have been going to a second overtime with a chance to pull off that road upset. So they've been a 23-point underdog two weeks ago. Uh, don't probably think they're going to be intimidated coming to Jack Trice Stadium for that re- for that matter or that fact. Is that you know they've been in this situation. They know they're the underdog, uh, but they found ways to compete with Florida State. And uh, I think they probably have some confidence now coming uh, to Ames, Iowa. Let's uh, hear though from Matt Campbell. This is what Matt Campbell had to say about uh, Louise and Monroe as a whole.
1: Um, a little bit about our next opponent. You know, I think a great challenge for us, to be honest with you, probably the most in terms of skill, the most talented team we played from a skill standpoint this year. Um, You're talking about a team that's got a senior quarterback who's had an outstanding career, has played really good in his first two football games, uh, tremendous tailback. You know, an entire offensive line that's coming back. You can see why they played so well two weeks ago. And then defensively, almost their entire front seven coming back on the defensive side of the football. So, um, a team that can really run uh, defensively creates a lot of havoc. And then offensively, you know, as skilled as anybody we played.
0: So you heard there, Campbell said that uh, Louisiana Monroe is maybe the most athletic, skilled team that Iowa State has faced through the first uh, couple games of the season. Uh, they they are really athletic, and I think that starts with their quarterback. Caleb Evans uh, this is a guy that's a, a senior a dual threat quarterback now he's completing 66.7 uh, percent of his passes two games into the season the thing that stands out with Evans is he does have the ability to run the ball I think he was the Warhawks uh, leading rusher last season um, and so he's got that dual threat ability and uh, that's one of the things that has at times maybe been tough for Iowa State you look back to the UNI game and Will McElvain what he was able to do not even necessarily running all the time but just escaping the pocket and escaping some of those sack situations. Uh, that's going to be a big thing for Iowa State's defensive line this week is not only containing Caleb Evans, uh, but also being able to bring him down when they do have opportunities because uh, so far quarterbacks have proven to be a little bit elusive in the pocket uh, and the sack numbers have mostly come from Iowa State's linebacker uh, position through the first couple games of the season. Uh and then they have good talent at, at the receiver position and running back. We'll get into that in just a moment with Adam Huntsucker of the News Star down in Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, but I did also want you to hear from Matt Campbell talking about the Warhawks defense uh, because that's going to be an interesting, an interesting look for Iowa State. They're going to do a lot of different things, and uh, Matt Campbell talked about that as well to kick off the week.
1: You know, this is, a, this is another kind of, like I said, we got challenged last week in terms of the front seven, it's a total different challenge because this challenge is, you know, speed, quickness, explosiveness across the board in their front seven. And you know, I a part of the success of their linebacking core is the, the amount of pressure that they bring their linebackers on, you know. And yeah, I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to do a great job again. This in this football game is knowing not only so where's our mic linebacker, but they've got great defensive ends, they've got a great nose guard, you know, they, they fit their system. And it almost reminds me of our defense at times, you know, those front seven they're moving, they're always coming one way or another. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to do a great job trying to control the tempo of the football game, because if you let them dictate the pace of the game, they they can be explosive and they can create a lot of havoc. And, you know, you've seen them do that already in the football season. They've done a great job creating turnovers. And with that, their run defense, though, has given up quite a few yards. How do you look for your running backs to maybe elevate their game this week? Yeah, you know, again, I, I think when you're a team that's going to pressure and you're going to sometimes, you know, part of that pressure can be, you know, a guy out of a gap that can maybe create a big run. But I think if you really look at, at them, they've done a great job against the run and the pass. A couple of plays have come out because of the, their pressure situations. But, you know, we're going to have to do a great job just game plan in general of trying to find a way to control and dictate the pace of this football game and and put it in control of us. And if we can do that, you know, that'll certainly to our advantage offensively.
0: Okay, so that was Matt Campbell on the Louisiana Monroe defense. I think that's enough for Matt Campbell and myself. Uh, let's bring in Adam Huntsucker of the News Star in Monroe, Louisiana. He covers Louisiana Monroe, the best expert to bring in to talk about the Warhawks. Adam, thanks for joining me here to help uh, preview this matchup.
2: Well, not a problem. Glad glad to do it. I think um, you know you, you look at the matchup. I think we got a pretty fun one for for Saturday here in the in the early slot.
0: Yeah, after I, what I saw from from the Warhawks a few weeks back that uh, forty five forty four overtime thriller against Florida State, uh, knowing what Matt Campbell has said so far about them, just their offensive skill, and looking at kind of it looks like they're pretty veteran team. This should be a, a really intriguing uh, matchup, and that's why I wanted to bring you on is because I think. Uh, you could probably provide some insight. You know, I think people probably have a casual feel of what this team is. Um, And I think, you know, it was Iowa State's bye week when they played Florida State. So I think some people had their eye on that game and kind of looking down the road a little bit. Um, But I think uh, there's probably a lot more you can tell us about what what Iowa State will expect, uh, both from a defensive and offensive standpoint, because I, uh, I have heard already from Matt Campbell on both of those things. And let's start just kind of with an overview of this team. It seems like the maybe thing that jumps off the mat, Uh, Off the map is just how veteran they are, you know, both on the offensive and defensive lines, but really their front seven defensively is is that's what uh, what's allowed them to have so much success here through a first couple weeks of the season.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, You got to go back to four years ago when um, when uh, head coach Matt Vietor took this job. This is his fourth year um, in in that in that role. And, you know, it showed it showed uh, with the roster because when he got here, this was a complete rebuild. You know it, the the program had really cratered, and it needed somebody like him. You know he's a he's a lifelong Louisiana guy. He was a head coach at um at the SCS level at McNeese State for ten years, and you know got his start at, as a high school coach um, in Louisiana. So they needed somebody like him to, you know, they had relationships in the state to you know get that roster flipped up with Louisiana kids, plus what they get from from the Mississippi JUCOs and around the I twenty corridor into Texas and uh, Mississippi. And and he's really done that. I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a veteran roster. It's a lot a lot of juniors and seniors in the lineup, and I think that's one of the things that they've um, that's really allowed them to kind of uh, be successful thus far. I mean, one and one, but easily could have won that Florida State game in overtime. You know, missed extra point, you know, sealed that thing. And you mentioned the lines. I think that's where it is the most because at at the P five at the uh, group of five level, excuse me, and even in, in ULM situation. Getting getting that kind of getting that kind of um, veteran presence on both lines is really hard to do, and that that's something they do have this year.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things with Iowa State is their offensive line is one of the most experienced in FBS. And then I went looking, and Louisiana Monroe is right there with them. I mean, they're two of the most experienced offensive lines, and I think that's kind of what jumped off right away to me because you know that's where Iowa State has been able to start to have success is, is their veteranness in both lines. And then you look at Louisiana Monroe, and it's it's the same thing. What kind of style is is he trying to kind of play there? Um, it seems like kind of a maybe more of an up tempo, and they're really athletic. But is, is that the kind of style he's going for, or, or what have you seen you know under his leadership so far?
2: Yeah, that, that's that's a pretty good summation of it. You know, they like you know being in Louisiana. You, you, if you if you can um, if you get out and recruit, you're going to find find guys that can run, and, and you know, and they've, and they've got plenty of those. Um, now, schematically, they're not going to look that much different from Iowa State offensively. Defensively is a whole different story, but on offense, you're going to see two team, you know, two teams that are that are going to line, line up in ten personnel and mix in their tight ends. But um, the only difference is the personnel that you know Iowa State's going to be putting out there is a whole lot bigger than um, what ULM has, especially a tight end. You're talking about, you know, you got six, 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 seven, and that was one of the things that. Um, the coaching staff really raved about this week was just was just the size of the guys and how uh, and how you know Iowa State's really just a it's what 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 they would say you expect from a good Midwestern football team they tackle they run to the football they don't beat themselves and you know that's why they, and that's why they've had a chance to win
0: when I was even working on some of this you know stuff preseason looking ahead at Iowa State's opponents I guess the first guy that you, you kind of look to is quarterback Caleb Evans um you know obviously a veteran but also I think what what really stands out about him is just the dual threat ability that's one thing that at times I think has probably been one of the bigger struggles for Iowa State's 3-3-5 defense is maybe a dual threat quarterback just the the challenges they can present uh, I think you know maybe I'm wrong on this but I think he was maybe their leading rusher as well last year um and so just he prevent he presents that that kind of dynamic what have you seen from him and uh and you know what what does he try to do i mean is he is he going to be called for a lot of you know are they going to call a lot of runs for him or is that something that he'll kind of do uh depending on how how a play
2: develops it kind of depends on how the play develops because they're they're a very rpo based offense you know just to kind of work some of that it's interesting where a lot of that comes from uh a lot of folks up there may not may not be familiar but um but Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, he was, at, he was a college quarterback. He played at ULM back in the 80s when it was uh, Northeast Louisiana University. And his, um, his son, Josh, is actually ULM starting tight end. So those two staffs are really close, and they'll visit in the offseason. A lot of the RPO concepts ULM runs count, came from the Philadelphia Eagles. So you kind of depending on the situation and you know how the play develops when, when you're running running those style of plays will dictate whether Caleb run, runs or throws it. But at the same time, you know, he's a senior and you know last year after after he came on the scene as a sophomore, last year during his junior year, he had some turnover issues, turned the ball over a bit more than he did as a sophomore. And you know, he spent the offseason really trying to cut those down and make better decisions with the football because he's a guy that you know he he he's always looking for the big play, looking to push the ball down the field, and that's led to some interceptions. But you know, through two games, you know, so far so good as far as far as cutting those things down. And you know, offensively, the the big um, you know the big addition this year is actually a kid they picked up last year is Josh Johnson at running back. He's um, you know one of the leading rushers in the Sun Belt. He rushed for. 173 yards in the opener against Grambling, then had 126 against Florida State. He's a the kid they found in the Mississippi Juco ranks. He's He was supposed to sign with Ole Miss um, out of Cahoma Junior College, and you know some, something fell through, um, and he, he never made it to Oxford, and they, they were able to scoop him up, and he came in late last year you know, at the start of fall camp and really couldn't contribute because he didn't really know the system and wasn't quite in shape, but now that he's had a year in an offseason program, knows what he's doing. He's been a, he's been a monster for them at tailback.
0: Yeah, I think he's already averaging eight point three uh, yards per carry. Obviously, that's what stands out on paper when you look at that that running game. What what should Iowa State fans and I guess Iowa State's defense probably expect uh, in terms of the playmakers? You mentioned uh, Doug Peterson's son. I think that jumps off the map. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about just how good. Uh, The tight ends are at Louisiana Monroe, Um, but I think you know one of Iowa State's cornerbacks uh, told me yesterday that you know this they have some of the better receivers that they've seen in terms of pure athleticism, and uh, you know I think that stands out. Uh, Leading receiver Xavier Brown, eleven catches, 123 yards. Uh, Are he and Josh Peterson kind of the two to two to watch, or what will Louisiana Monroe try to do with its playmakers?
2: Well, they they are two of them to watch. Um, Xavier Brown was a kid that. You know, last year he tried to play, but didn't really recover from an from an offseason shoulder surgery like they needed him to. So he ended up taking a redshirt year. And you know, Peterson's athletic enough that he can do so many things. He can put his hand on the ground. He can line up in the slot. You know, and they can even flex him out a little bit. And uh, the the other guy to watch is is Marquise McRae, their slot receiver. He's another senior. And. Um, also, you know they've just got they've got a lot they just got a lot of guys at wide receiver they can run in and out. You know when, when the staff got this job, it was one of the few spots on the roster that was actually in decent shape, and they've really added to it. And the interesting thing when you look at these receivers and you know and how and the way guys are stepping up, I mean it, it was a question mark going into the year because you know you lose Marcus Green, who was ULM's first All American since I believe 1998, only their second All American since they became an FBS school. he was drafted by the Atlanta Falcons and not was with the Philadelphia Eagles now. And then you had another kid, RJ Turner, who left as a grad transfer and went to Texas tech. So they really weren't sure what they were going to have in the receiver core. They liked what they had, but you know, none of them have really been proven, but those guys, those guys have played well through two games.
0: Wrapping up on the offensive end, you mentioned the RPO, you mentioned uh, kind of how some of this comes from uh, I guess the, the Doug Peterson tree or, or whatever, so to speak, what, what do you expect Louisiana Monroe to try to do to have success against Iowa State? Um, will it be similar to what they did against Florida State, or or how do you think this game unfolds in terms of game plan wise? What Louisiana Monroe wants to accomplish if everything goes according to plan?
2: I think I think it'll be similar um, because that, that's uh, that's Vietor's big thing is when you when when you go into these these games against Power Five opponents is you know they're not gonna they're not gonna throw the baby out with the back bathwater so to speak and start doing a bunch of stuff that. That they don't, that they wouldn't normally do in a game, because the way they look at it is, they're going to come in here and do what they do because it's going to make them better once they get in Sunbelt play. <clears throat> and, you know, they have a lot of confidence coming off that Florida State game because they felt like they matched, they matched Florida State's intensity. They played, they played just as hard as they did and minimized their mistakes. Now, the special teams is something they would have liked to see improve, but they, the, but still, those are those are kind of the things you have to do if you're. If you're a G5 school trying to win one of these games, but the biggest key for them is they're going to be um, going to be going to be looking for um, for number twelve Greg Osworth on every play, try to figure out where he's lining up at that star position because you know it's it's one of those little wrinkles the way they line him up. You know he's usually you know between the linebacker and, and traditional secondary <clears throat> secondary depth, so he can run downhill and make plays. So those guys are going to be looking to identify him.
0: I guess, you know, one more thing on the offense before we do switch to defense, and that's that I think I saw Viator said that uh, Iowa State's defense is just unique. It's different than maybe anything he's really seen. Um, is that probably their biggest challenge going into this week, is just identifying what Iowa State's doing at any given time?
2: Well, it, it, it's finding it's finding Osworth more than anything, because you know, the, the, they, they call I know they call him the star, but the, the way they use their star is a lot different than other teams do, where you see most, most schools that play that hybrid guy, they're going to line him up over the slot, but you know, that's not what Iowa State does so that that's the part that unique as far as the actual front and things that that stuff's uh, that stuff is um you know something you uh Vitor seen below because before because a little history lesson um Viator and John Haycock have actually coached coached against each other before oh interesting you no know, when, when when v was the offensive coordinator at, at mcNeese they played uh Haycocks Youngstown states teams in 2002 and 2004 and you know mcNeese was actually able to win both of those games but yeah, that was the other thing that you know Matt told us the other days. You look at it, you can see John's fingerprints all over this defense from what he's used to seeing from when they when they played each other before.
0: Speaking of defense, I think that's one of the more intriguing areas of this uh, Louisiana Monroe team. And Matt Campbell here used the word "havoc." Um, you know, he said they're going to try to bring blitzes. They're going to uh, do a lot of different things that challenge you. Um, you mentioned it a little bit ago that. You know, offensively, they may might not be all that dissimilar from Iowa State, but defensively, it's a whole nother story. What does this Louisiana Monroe defense do that maybe causes some of that havoc?
2: Well, it, it's an aggressive it's an aggressive mentality on that side of the ball. They operate out of a base four two five, And like we mentioned before, they've got a lot of they've got a lot of upperclassmen on the defensive line and a lot of depth, particularly at defensive end. And the things they're going to do. You know, they're they're gonna find ways to get matchups and get three defensive ends in the game at the same time just so they can rush the passer. And they've got the ability to do that because they've got some kind of tweener guys at defensive end, guys like Donald Lewis and Ty Shelby that are in that that are in that two two sixty-five to two seventy-five range that can slide inside when they need it to. But I think it's I think when you watch that matchup up front, it's gonna be the biggest thing because while while they can rush. I, th- I think I think if Iowa State's offensive linemen can get their hands on them, that's where they're going to have problems. So I think you're going to see a typical power versus speed matchup there.
0: One of the things Campbell was asked about was, you know, on paper Louisiana Monroe's rush defense looks to be maybe the weakness of that defense. But Campbell said he de- doesn't really see it that way. And looking at film, he said that because they do bring blitzes at times, it leaves a gap open. And so he said a few times this season. They've been exposed for a big run that maybe skews that number. Is, is that accurate that, you know, their run defense maybe looks worse on paper than it actually is because they have taken gambles and maybe a couple of times, say, Florida State has broken a run?
2: I would I would agree with that, um, and with that somewhat because you look at their first two opponents, um, they, they opened the year, they beat Grambling, but um, Grambling has a mobile quarterback that gave them some problems. In, in the running game, and you look at Grambling, and you know, you know, you're talking about a, you're talking about an FCS team and swag, but they, they turned around the next team and almost beat Louisiana Tech. Actually, outplayed them in the fourth quarter. So, you know, they're not, we're not exactly talking about a team that's devoid of talent. And the next week, you're going against Cam Akers at Florida State, even though they've got problems down there. Akers is still one of the most talented backs in the country. So, I would agree with that sentiment a little bit.
0: What do they try to do with the Mike linebacker? It seems like a lot of it kind of keys around him that he, he comes on blitzes and that, you know, a lot of what they do maybe re- revolves around that middle guy.
2: Well, it, it, it certainly does this year because that middle guy is Chase Day. He's a fifth year senior. He's been a four-year starter for him. And he's actually was he's actually been gotten the uh, Louisiana Sports Riders Association Defensive Player of the Week honors two years in a row. I mean, two, two games in a row, excuse me. And, you know, he's really just coming to his own as a senior – you know, they, it, it's cliche, but the coaches do come. He's kind of the quarterback of the defense. He knows he's played so much football that there's not a lot of things he's going to see that he hasn't seen before. He knows how to get those guys lined up right, and that, that's the veteran presence I'm talking about. That's really um, that's really that's really been good for them because they, they've got they've got seniors at all three levels on the defense, and um, you know you know with Day, with Dave's presence, he's re- he can really you know kind of decipher some things and make sure that they're in the right stuff.
0: The one thing that Campbell went back to multiple times, it didn't matter, matter if he was talking about the Louisiana Monroe defense or offense, uh, he kind of went back to multiple times that Iowa State's probably biggest key is they've got to control the pace of this game, um, that if they can control the pace, they think they can be in a good spot. But if they let Louisiana Monroe control the pace, that um, it puts them in a tough situation. Uh, what, what type of pace do you think Louisiana Monroe tries to go into this game? I think from the outside looking in, you see a high-scoring game against uh, Florida State. That seemed like it was a little bit situational. What kind of pace do you think uh, Viator and uh, that team is going to try to dictate here in Ames?
2: You know, I think, I think they're, they're going to play at their, at their regular pace. I mean, they, they, are, they are a no-huddle-hurry-up type team, but they're not going to go 100 miles an hour. You know, so I, I think, I think, I think the, they'll try to dictate the pace, but they have the ability to adapt to however the game goes. I think the key for them is they're going to is, is try to stay on the field offensively and you know eat a little bit of the clock just just to limit opportunities because that's what you're trying to do in these types of games when you're the when you're the underdog and um, you know the, the biggest thing for them is just to try to find a way to get into the fourth quarter and be within reach because they feel like if that happens they're going to have a chance to win the game.
0: That leads me to to the the Florida State game and it seems like you know they have the recipe to. Uh, pull off that kind of upset I think they were 23 point underdogs on the road um, and it seems like they followed that plan plan perfectly what what did they do in that game that allowed them to you know go to overtime and be within that extra point of a second overtime but also um, how much do you think that game in a bye week helps this team now going to their second five, power five opponent well the biggest thing was turnovers
2: because at the, at the first quarter ULM played about as bad offensively as they have in Quite a while, but they were able to kind of whittle that thing down to a three-score game at halftime. Then they come out in the third quarter. um, Corey Strader takes an interception back 57 yards for a touchdown. Uh, Day has another interception, and Jordan Oliver recovers a fumble. All of those lead to touchdowns. So it was it was getting those turnovers and negative plays, and then capitalizing on them that that helped them. help them have a chance to win that game and you know I wrote a story about it last week because the bye weeks it's, it's kind of an odd thing and you know some coaches are paranoid about the timing of all that stuff and you would think well you're um you're just you're just coming off coming off a, a thrilling game and off at Florida State a game you think you should have won and you know w- w- would you like to keep playing and then not sit out on a bye but um you know Vietor and the coaching staff are not really sure weren't really sure if you know that that'll affect them at all the biggest thing is you know, going going in this matchup is is in their mind they they think um, and I would agree with them that you know, Iowa State's obviously a better a better football team than Florida State and maybe not in terms of speed and athleticism but just being more put together and well coached and knowing what they're supposed to do and I think that's just a, that's a byproduct product of, of what Matt Campbell brings to the table and then being in um, being in the fourth in the fourth year that he's been there, so yeah, you know, this this is this is a more imposing matchup for them, and they they just want to you know try to find a way to hold up at the line of scrimmage and see if they can get this thing in the fourth quarter and see what happens.
0: That brings us uh, to the final point. I think we've touched on a lot of what you're probably going to say here, but um, you know to kind of put it all together, looking at this game, if Louisiana Monroe. Wants to have a chance in that fourth quarter if they want to pull off this upset. Uh, what do you think the biggest keys are for them um, to
2: find success uh, in this game? Say, um, don't get overwhelmed at the at the line of scrimmage. Create some turnovers and then you know just just ca- capitalize on them offensively. Don't think, don't think you have to be a hero or force some things. Just kind of do what they've been doing. You know, get get Josh Johnson the football let Caleb Evans do his thing and get, get those receivers involved. And um, if the, if the offensive line can, can give him some time to do that and handle and all all the things that Iowa state does out of that unique defense, I think they'll have a chance.
0: Well, Adam, thanks for taking some time out of your day to, to help provide a scouting report. Uh, I had done some initial research, but uh, I think this provides quite a bit more uh, in depth. So thanks for taking some time. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks again to Adam Hunsucker of the news star down in Monroe for helping take a look at the Warhawks and this weekend's matchup. That's going to do it for this edition of the Cyclone Scoop. Hope you enjoyed I hope you got some insight on Iowa State's non-conference finale. I'll talk to you after week four and uh, then it'll be into Big 12 play. So uh, enjoy the weekend and uh, I'll talk to you guys soon.